Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the USWNT Hour Show. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Roman, joined by Lori Lindsay, former U.S. international. And today we have a handful of special guests with us, lead women's soccer writer for CBSSports.com, Sandra Herrera, and former U.S. international Danielle Slayton joins us. Uh, you can watch us live on YouTube.com slash Attacking Third every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And you can join the conversation in our YouTube chat. You can also listen to all of the USWNT Hour shows on the Attacking Third podcast. Download, follow, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the places that you get your podcasts. I saw some waves happening. Lori, Danielle, Sandra. Hi, guys. How's it going? Danielle, welcome in. First time on the show. How are Thanks. you? Thanks. I'm pumped to be here. Excited for the conversation. Oh, yeah. We are pumped. Lori, how's it going? It's always good to chat with you. Yeah, good to see everybody. I mean, I'm feeling very fortunate to be in community with all of you. So it's really great to have D. Always the best. Good to see you, friend. And Sandra, you know how I feel about you. So hopefully you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and least. Yeah, I mean, I see you guys all the time. It's great. Sandra, love having you on when we get you on the USWNT hours. Yep. Fantastic stuff. We have a lot to dive into today. I want to get into it. Before I do, I have a reminder for everyone. If you joined the chat before, you know how it goes. I have a $100 Paramount Plus gift card to give away. All you've got to do is like this video, drop your social media handle in the chat without the at symbol, and you'll be entered to win a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. This means you can watch all of the U.S. games on Paramount+, Plus, CONCACAF W Championships, NWSL matches. There's so much content that you need to watch it. So like this video, drop your handle in the chat. Uh, let's get into it, ladies, because we have a very big match, U.S. versus Colombia. They end up winning 3-0. Um, but as we talk about this and we look, about, look at this game, um, I, I want to look at the starting lineups, our predictions for it. And, and Lori, I'm going to jump to you first because we had a preview for this match and we kind of talked about our expectations for this squad, what we were expecting against Colombia. What were your initial reactions after the end of that match? Oh, at the, I thought you were going to ask me about the lineup. Um, at the end of the match, I've, I felt like this is a team that hadn't played together in a couple months. And um, a lot of the players have had come off like a big stretch of NWSL games and had practiced, I think it was twice, um, with one another. So um, working through... Um, you know, some different um, situations on the field that were presented by a really tough Columbia team whose goalkeeper should get a major shout out. She was awesome. And I think these are the, these are the issues or not issues, but these are the complexities of the game that we expect um, to see, I think, throughout 
qualifying. And it was a good test for, for the U.S. to see a little bit of two different halves and what could be presented throughout qualifying to them. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge game. And, and you talk about that goalkeeping um, from Perez. It, fantastic. Danielle, <laughs> you were there. You were an analyst watching this game from the studio. Um, starting lineups, your reactions to this game. Tell us a little bit of what you thought your when you saw this. Um, I would say my my initial reactions when I saw the starting 11 was just it was an interesting mix of veteran and youth. Um, I think that's important as the U.S. heads towards qualifying and as they still, I would say, quite frankly, continue to transition. Um, I think there is certainly an eye towards the youth. Vlatko has brought in younger players, is willing to, to take some risks on them and get some minutes but also has a core handful of veteran players who are not only in camp, but are getting starting, you know, getting a starting role. I mean, you think of Becky Sauerbrunn, Kelly O'Hara specifically, really sitting in there to, to anchor and lead the back line um, alongside Alana Cook and Emily Fox ahead of um, Casey Murphy. So I think you have those two veteran players really in there to provide that anchor uh, and that stability. And then you have like, the next level, I would say, or the next wave of veterans and Rose Lavelle and Lindsay Horan, who really, this could potentially be their team. They will be the key leaders on the pitch potentially come 2023. So getting them some minutes, but you got to think that the big story on the night was um, Ashley Hatch getting the starting nod, particularly because Alex Morgan has been in camp and been playing so well, scoring, I don't know, <laughs> dozens and dozens of NWSL goals. Um, so I think this was a big opportunity for her. And that was probably the most uh, noteworthy surprise, I guess I would say, uh, of the starting 11. Yeah, I think that people were also looking for maybe a quicker start and it just didn't happen in this game. I mean, it took nearly an hour for, for the team to find their, their breakthrough against uh, Colombia. And I know in our preview of this game, we chatted a lot and tried to highlight a little bit about that middle third of the pitch and sort of mm -hmm. curious if, if things were going to be clogged up there a little bit or if some things were going to cancel each other out. So uh, I think maybe going into the next game, I would maybe like to see some adjustments uh, to sort of utilize the wide spaces a little bit more. Um, I'm curious if maybe we're going to see the type, or the type of, I know there will be rotation, so I'm curious to see the type of rotation that we're going to see maybe uh, on the wings and uh, at those kind of fullback uh, positions. And I I think we need to see a little bit more of Christy Mewis in the six. <laughs> yes. This was a little bit of a new pleasant surprise, I guess we'll label it, uh, that we got that we all got to see uh, in this game. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, this was huge, Sandra. Christy Mewis rotated into this game around the 70th minute, 72nd minute, um, and Mewis subs in for Andy Sullivan. That's also when we saw Taylor Korniak get her first cap with the United States women's national team. Um, let's talk about it. We've got to talk about this midfield trio. It was Rose Lavelle, Lindsey Horan, and Andy Sullivan to start. No surprises there, at least from our end. Um, but then when you see Christy Mewis being rotated in, it, Danielle, what were your thoughts on this? I, I mean, I think the reality is probably that's the least deep position that the United what? States has, right? So I still think there's some experimentation going on, right? Like, I mean, I forget exactly when it was where Lindsay Horan was playing back there. I mean, when Julie Ertz went down, who, by the way, was like in that position and there was no depth because she was such a rock solid force in there that I think 
that was a big learning lesson for Blackco over the course of the last couple of years of, oh my goodness, what happens if someone goes down in that position? And they're still, I think, continuing to experiment there. I'm not sure it's their best position. Um, I think that uh, it's good to see her there, but I want to see her there a little bit more. Uh, and I do think mm-hmm. it's important for Vlatko to continue to figure out what that depth is going to look like in that role because Julie Ertz may or may not be back and in top form a year from now. And if, God forbid, something happens to Andy Sullivan, what's the next situation? Is it Christy Mewis? Is it, gosh, I don't know, Lindsay Horan back there? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, is it Taylor Korniak back there? Like, who the heck knows could fit into that role? So I still have a lot of questions. Great for Christy Mewis to get some minutes, but I don't feel like this Columbia side at that point in the game when she came into the match mm-hmm. um, answered a lot of things for me. It was good for her to get some experience, but I'm not sure that like, that I'm convinced that that's the new role for her and the best place for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that D. I think just the way the game was going, I do think we saw some of the things I love this conversation because it's one that we've talked a lot about on here before. And just in terms of like, you know, if you don't have, ton of depth as a true six that you're bringing in, then how do you manipulate other players around um, within the way that you're playing the game, right? Does We've talked about actually Christy Mewis and Taylor Korniak being a, an eight position, right? At times, will they drop deeper? At times, depending on the opponent, will they um, push forward higher? And we've actually seen Christy Mewis do that more so I would say with Houston in the past years and we've seen her with do that with Gotham and she could play make and we saw that in this game but defensively and the way that she um you know screens the back line a lot of those questions to your point D I don't think were answered against this Columbia team but it'll be interesting going forward I'll just be curious to see yeah gets to to what opponent then do things shift and if if any Sullivan is in there, by the way, who I actually thought had a really good game in terms of her yeah. positioning, she wouldn't see her on the ball as much um, in terms of possession. But I think in terms of her getting herself into positions, regaining the ball when it's turned over, I think she does that um, one of the best um, in the NWSL. We see how important she is with Washington Spirit. And I thought she was good the other night um, before she came out as well. So it'll be interesting. I agree with you. Yeah, Andy Sullivan was one of my players heading into this match that I wanted to have a huge game. I wanted her to uh, solidify her role there, defensively be on lock. Um, and I agree. I think she did that in the moments that she was given, being able to switch the point of attack and, and draw defenders in and then open up the space for Haran and Lavelle ahead of her. Um, we also talked about other players that we wanted to see have a big game. Sandra, for you, it was some of the center back actions. You wanted to see uh, these center backs getting assists, but defensively, Sandra, when you looked at this match, um, obviously not so much pressure on the U.S., but what did you take of of their back starting four? We saw Kelly O'Hara get extended minutes, which we haven't seen at the club level. Um, so what did you think of that back four? You know what? I was I was fine with it in terms of getting uh, seeing them get a, get a run out. I know when we did the preview, I mentioned that, you know, players like like Kelly O'Hara and, and Becky Sarbon were players that kind of started off uh, the, the regular season, kind of building on their minutes, mm-hmm. uh, kind of dealing with some, you know, lower body injuries there and kind of stacking them up as they went. So now these next pair of friendlies were going to be the little bit of the final prep that they would get to sort of, you know, uh, get re-familiar with the, or get reintegrated with this national team, but not just reintegrated with the national team, but uh, newer faces that are on that back line. So I was very happy to see this sort of a center back pairing of, 
of Sour Run alongside Alana Cook, who has really sort of uh, emerged very rapidly as this sort of newer, more consistent face uh, in the center back position for the United States women's national team. We talked a lot about how things like whether it's been pregnancy or, or uh, unfortunate in injuries that have uh, come up during 2022 that have kind of shaped this roster. And Alana Cook, I think defensively more than anybody, has been a little bit more of that consistent presence mm -hmm. for this team. So I was really eager to see how that pairing would look between a Sauerbrunn and and a lot of Cook because I think they're two players who can kind of function a little bit similarly, both very patient, both uh, with great uh vision of the pitch, uh, can read a play one, two plays ahead, uh, and really kind of rely on things positionally more, more than actual, you know, uh, speed to get behind uh, a ball or try to recover and run things down. But I uh, liked the pairing between the two of them. I thought that they switched off pretty well from time to time. And uh, I think uh, in terms of making the adjustments into that second half, uh, on uh, the fullback, we saw Huerta come in, uh, you know, for, for O'Hara. I really like that switch as well. I think it was something that they targeted automatically and saw, okay, there's things that are not working here in terms of the timing. They were missing the final pass a little bit there. It sort of felt like at times during that first half and sort of seeing things that kind of pinched up a little bit in that middle third, I think, knowing that they had to continue to rely on a Fox or on a Huerta to try to help spread things out and open things up a little bit, I thought was really good as well. So I'm hopeful that going into this next game against Columbia, we sort of see a little bit more things ironed out there. Maybe we get a little bit more extended minutes for uh, for Huerta, or perhaps we even see somebody like a Naomi Girma get some minutes in the mix as well. Yeah, I think before we even look ahead to that match, it's so important to take what we can and learn from this initial one, right? I mean, the first half scoreless opportunities were there for the U.S. Um, I want to talk about this front line, where the spaces were, where the United States wasn't occupying, um, kind of what we saw from Columbia defensively and how they were able to play well. Lori, when you looked at the front line of Smith, Pugh, and Hatch being in there, not Alex Morgan, that that change um, – where where did they struggle in the first 45 minutes uh, to, to find the back of the net, frankly, as, as basic as I can make that question in a sense, but like especially with that front three and where the spaces were? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it just execution really in the tempo. Um, we saw that just getting on the same page, making sure that you're playing at a quick enough tempo because, you know, the reality is with Columbia, yes, they did play with the sweeper, but as, as Danielle mm -hmm. even talked about it at the in studio at halftime too, that sweeper was pushing up. It was more of like a flat back five. I thought they did a really good job of once the ball did get deep into the final third, then they converged centrally, right? So there's a ton of numbers in um, in the box making it difficult for um, to bypass at least the first line of defense when you're trying to cut the ball back. However, I do still think, you know, I think sometimes we think when somebody plays a back five, we think of them playing as this low block. And I don't actually think that was the case. Mm -hmm. I think they stepped well. I thought they um, tried to push out. So there it was some space in behind. I mean, you even go back and watch the game. There's times when Lindsey Horan's making a run late in the first half um, from deep in the midfield, getting on a header. That was an opportunity on goal. So I think the thing is, is, you know, with Macario, her movement w is so sophisticated, right? She can drop back and she can play a 10 as well, but she can also threaten in behind. And it's just going to take time with uh, um, Ashley Hatch because this game is very different than the NWSL. So just understanding where the movements are. Um, but I think one thing that for 
in particular for Ashley Hatch, is just continuing the threat in, in behind. Mm-hmm. Because even if you're not going to get that ball, then it opens up space underneath for a player like Haran, Rose Lavelle, and that's where it was most tight. And because somebody's checking back, uh, Ashley Hatch wanted to check back, then you just you just condense that area even more. So I think those are the little things. I, I mean, I think, you know, obviously Sophia Smith scoring the two goals. Mal Pugh could have been on early if she would have taken it with her left foot. Still very, Ooh. a ton of opportunities, right? Oh, I mean, in the first half, that could have been 2-0, and the game looks very different. Um, so they're still threatening in behind, or excuse me, on goal and, and options. I just think right now it's just going to take some time getting used to who's ever playing up there. Um, or particularly that number nine, and just understanding the movements that are going to be most impactful um, to open up space, depending on what the opposition is giving you. I I love all of those takes. We have to talk about it, though. Two penalty kicks given to the United States throughout this game. Danielle, both of them were saved. Huge shout-out to Catalina Perez, the goalkeeper for Colombia. Incredible job by her. But on those two penalty kicks, what did you see on the fouls and on the kicks? Was it the kicker's mistake? Was it great goaltending? What are your thoughts on those two PKs? Um, so I think they were fine calls. I'm okay with the calls. I was actually sitting next to Melissa Ortiz, and she was like, no way! I was like, you so wrong. <laughs> you know it was. Um, so I'm okay with the, the the decisions by the referee. Um, you know what was funny, though? I, I, I'm thinking back to, to calling the Women's World Cup and VAR. I, credit goes to Catalina. Like, I, I absolutely want to give her credit, but she was off her line, and that would have been mm. a yellow card, um, and a redo, it would have been on both of the penalty kicks, right? I mean, she's not off by much, but like with how tight I was remembering how tight they were calling that at the World Cup, I was like, mm, that's yellow. Like, and if she did it again, she, she was off on both it. of them. She yeah. was off on both. Yeah, I mean, just by a hair, like a foot. I mean, not a, a ton, but with VAR and, and that, like, so I'll be interested to see how that continues to evolve. I think the World Cup. Um, was kind of a, a nightmare scenario and that they were using VAR for the first time and everyone was learning and they were calling it far too too tightly. But um, but I did notice that. Um, credit goes to her, though. I mean, I thought the, the penalty kick that Rose Lavelle took was um, a savable height, if you will. Um, yeah. It was the ground. So, you know, it, it looks sexy and awesome. Um, and she read it well both times. But, um, you know, I think the United States doesn't, converts on their PKs. They do, you know, and um, I thought it was just interesting to see when you don't have a um, uh, Megan Rapino in the game in particular, like who is that next person? How are they thinking about who's number two, number three, number four in the lineup? Um, so that was just kind of those thoughts popped into my head, I think, in all of those scenarios. So it's two former players on the national team, Lori and Danielle. We got this question on Twitter, actually. How do they decide? Is it the player's choice on the pitch? Is it chosen beforehand? Uh, who decides who takes these penalty kicks? What was it for you, Lori? Yeah, when typically you- it was like, listen, you're taking these when you're leading up to a, a, a you know qualifiers or some big tournament. You're taking these quite often, right? And for typically you'd have two players that were, hey, these are going to be the players who are going to take it in the run of play if something happens. And it ultimately was just up to the player's decision who wanted it, who felt the most confident, and they would they would step up and take it. Yeah. The same deal. It was, yeah, I mean, I think for us, when I think back to at least senior level national team, yeah. um, it was always a discussion, in, or it wasn't discussion, it was always announced in the pregame talk, yeah. right? Like, And it was, 
maybe one, two, three, knowing like, okay, good. If the first person for some reason didn't want it or wasn't in the, in the game, then it would go to the second person, go to the third person. So to me, it was a, it was a coach's decision, but the conversation and the training and all of that happened. So it wasn't like it was, Oh, Sandra, you get a PK today. <laughs> no, you, yeah. okay, like it wasn't like that. um, you know, it was prepared for, it was trained for it with the conversation yeah. was had, but ultimately I think it was a coach's decision. And it comes from a bit of player confidence as well in the moment. Who's like, yeah, I want this one, right? Like there, you have that adrenaline and you have the confidence and the momentum of a game as a player, as you're heading into those types of situations. Uh, but the, the game changed in the second half. It opened up a lot for the U S we've got to talk about the two substitutes that came on Alex Morgan subbed on for Ashley hatch in the center striker position and Ashley Sanchez in for Lindsay Haran. Ashley Sanchez, holy cow, what a game from her. Sandra, I know we talked about this a little, you and me, but when when Sanchez stepped on the pitch, um, things opened for her, and she was dancing on the ball. Is that what you expected to see when, when Sanchez steps on like that? Yeah, 100%. I think having her available off the bench was huge in a match like this where the team sort of struggled a little bit to, to find that, that finishing pass or that extra pass. In the final third, I, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, quite frankly, this was first game back for a lot of these uh, players uh, in combination with some newer faces in the mix. It was going to take them a little bit of time, and we're not going to show any disrespect to Colombia. I mean, they were going to come out there and, and put together a good game, game plan against the United States. And I think we sort of saw that play out in, in the first half. So to sort of see the adjustments made, I think you see something like a Morgan coming on for Hatch, and that's a little bit of a – a like for like in terms of things positionally, but having Haran come on for, uh, for for Sanchez, I think fit a number of things. I mean, for one, we're seeing Lindsay Haran go out there and still still playing with a really taped up knee. You know, that I think there's a lot of question marks there around around Haran right now, and I think that she's a player that you want to have at your disposal going through this qualifier. She's a really really important player to this team right now, especially in light of missing, uh, you know, some, some other players, uh, you know, who are out, whether it's an inerts or a Macario, et cetera. And I think it comes down to who do you want to see higher in, in that, in that midfield. Mm-hmm. You do want to see somebody like a Haran a little bit higher instead of relegated to a lower role. And then seeing someone like a Sanchez, you're going to want to have that opportunity as well. So it wasn't too shocking to sort of see Sanchez come on and kind of help open things up a little bit. I think that was going to be a natural uh, transgression for the second half. I think you have a player like Morgan who automatically attracts multiple defenders and just opens things up there naturally only to have a player of Sanchez and her uh, ability to come in and be able to take advantage of maybe some of that extra space that opens up because of uh, Morgan's presence in the box there. But I mean, we saw it immediately that shot off the post, you know, just sort of letting Columbia know, like, hey, things are going to look different in this second half. This is entirely true. I, it changed everything. So we got two goals from Sophia Smith and then a goal from Taylor Korniak. She gets her first cap with the U.S. team and her first goal. Lori, you've got a big smile on your face. What is it about Taylor Korniak? Were you expecting this from her? Is this a turn of the page for her in the midfield and for the U.S. if they can establish a little bit of depth with Korniak in that trio? Oh, it's just, it's awesome for players, you know, to get this opportunity, your first cap, one of your first touches, you're getting in there and you're getting in the mix. And, you know, I think the the fun part about the Taylor Korniak is we've talked also about, you know, her progression, right? Coming from Orlando, what that looked like and how they utilized her, how she's found a home in San Diego and um, 
been able to utilize her strengths that are outside of just um, her ability in the air. And that's been a lot of the talking point is like her ability to be able to play a final pass combined with Alex Morgan. And then, you know, the afterthought is kind of like, yes, and also she's good in the air, right? And so, and then we see that her score off of a header. I mean, it's awesome. It's, it, you saw the celebration. Uh, yeah, I think the, the interesting thing in coupling um, Ashley Sanchez into this is that to me, there's, there is a, um, a variety of midfielders that have been called in that look very different, right? Haran to Mewis to Andy Sullivan to Sanchez to Korniak to Roosevelt. They all have different qualities, which I think are important going into a tournament um, like qualifying because then you utilize. You see how Sanchez comes off the bench, right, and gives the team a different spark. She's quick in little areas, can play the final pass, can also shoot from, a di- mm-hmm. from distance, right? So, And then you have Taylor Korniak some different um, capabilities on the ball, um, but a thread in the air as well on set pieces that gives the U.S. a different look. So um, to your point about Korniak, yeah, it's awesome. I think she gives them a different wrinkle for sure. And um, But I think all of these players do. And it, it kind of goes back to the overarching theme, in my opinion, is there does seem to be a good balance. And it's just about getting the pieces right and exactly getting the connectivity of exactly what Vlaco wants and what does that look like, right? And, um, you know, Sandra had spoke earlier, too, about the width. Yes, this mm-hmm. team was pretty narrow in this game. So how, uh, who, who's responsible for providing the width when you do have three narrow forwards, right? That would probably be the outside backs, in my opinion. So just getting those little details correct so that the fluidity and the, the talent of these players is coming out on a more consistent basis to be able to play at a higher tempo and start to kind of pull teams apart in a, in a, in a quicker way, right. Um, earlier on in the game. Well, we get another game, another friendly between the U S and Columbia to assess this, see where changes can be made. Um, maybe different players starting. We're going to talk all about it after this very quick break. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the USWNT Hour Show. I'm your host, Lisa Roman, alongside Lori Lindsay, Danielle Slayton, and Sandra Herrera. We are talking about the U.S. versus Columbia, everything that happened in that match. Before we get into the look ahead to Tuesday's match, I want to remind everyone I have a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. All you got to do is like this video, drop your social media handle in the chat, and you'll be entered for a chance to win. Look out for a DM from us uh, for your chance to watch all of the CONCACAF W Championship and NWSL matches on Paramount Plus. 
we have another match, another friendly for the U.S. before they head off to Monterey, Mexico to play in the CONCACAF W Championship for World Cup qualifiers. We're hoping to see a little bit of rotation, perhaps, in this starting lineup. Danielle, when you looked at the first 11 that were put out by Black Wendonofsky, you saw how the player rotation came in with Hatch getting the start, Morgan coming in at half, Sanchez coming in at half, um, Mewis and Korniak also being rotated in there. When you look ahead and, and preview Tuesday, Days friendly against Colombia. What player rotation do you foresee happening specifically in that starting 11? Goodness. Um, I think you'll see Nair in goal. Um, I think I would like to see Sofia Huerta get the starting nod. Um, I actually liked her better off the bench um, in the last match um, just because she did provide more of that with Kelly O'Hara tends to drift a little bit inside and she plays a little bit more centrally kind of in that half space, I guess you would call Mm -hmm. it. Um, And so, and I think Huerta, I mean, you've seen this in the NWSL, her service is so um, deadly and just on point. And so I'd like to see her. I think it's going to be interesting along the back line. I mean, I think you need to get Naomi Gurma some minutes um, and some experience. I think it's going to be a super interesting battle for the center, center back position, which by the way, Except for Becky Sauerbrunn, did they all play at Stanford? Because I think they did. (laughs) Davidson, Alana Cook, uh, Naomi Gurma, like, so. Well, Becky was at UVA. I just want to point that out. Yes. Yes. No disrespect disrespect to UVA. (laughs) Um, Loving loving your uh, alma mater over there, Lori. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll be interested to see over the course of the year who rises to the top, particularly between Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma. I'm curious there. I thought Emily Fox had a great match. I think getting her some minutes, um, I think she could really be that left back, depending on, you know, what Crystal Dunn looks like going forward um, and what her return to play looks like. Um, I think Ashley Sanchez deserves the start. But I also think, too, like, you're going to see the three who didn't um, dress like at least be on the bench. So Sam Coffey, Carson Pickett, Jalen Howell maybe get some minutes in this one. Um, I would say, I mean, I don't think you bring them because if you don't play them now, they're not going to be on the roster for qualifying. So I think you'll see them not necessarily start, but get some minutes. Um, I think you'll see Alex Morgan start um, like you all alluded to. I mean, I think part of the reason Ashley Sanchez and Rose Lavelle had more time and space was because of Alex Morgan and her really threatening in behind in a way that Ashley Hatch didn't. Um, And then I don't know. I mean, I I, I think you rest Lindsay Horan. I think her knee to me looks, I don't know, but it just looks like she's not herself. And so really being thoughtful about her progression and her load is going to be important. And then out wide, I mean, I think you see potentially a midge purse, um, you see some some variety out there because, I mean, it's just an embarrassment of riches when you look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. It's like <laughs> I said, um, I've said before, D, that like, you know, gone are the days where, um, you know, everyone's like super scared of the U.S. just stepping out onto field because players are playing more often. They're playing against competition. But then, then I also prefaced it with, but then if you're showing up with those strikers, then actually you are scared because I'd be running around behind the goal if that was me. And I have to say like these, like there is some urgency for these younger players to play well, because 
look who's not here. I mean, like the competition yeah. over the course yeah. of the next year, like you get Julie Ertz back, Crystal Dunn, Tobin Heath, Kristen Plus, Abby yep. Dahlkemper. I mean, Tierna Davidson. Like you, you can have Williams another in starting Lynn Williams 11. in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yep. there is urgency to prove your value right now because when the competition gets deeper and when some of these players are coming back from pregnancy or injury, like it, it's just going to be a whole nother wave of pressure and making this roster was a challenge in 2019 and 2020 and it's only gotten gotten tougher now yeah yeah no doubt and you know i'm with you i mean sandra and i were very similar to when we were predicting kind of or hoping to see certain players and i definitely like to see naomi gurma as well um where to and what she can bring um spot on about um you know being able to provide that width especially on that side when uh, right side with Sophia Smith, who we will see cut in, maybe start wide, but then have the ability to roam and, and pinch in. So um, I'll be curious about that. And then, you know, I'll be interested to see too, because with Christy Mewis coming off the bench and playing in the six, do they start her and then play around a little bit with what that looks like of Andy holding, but maybe Mewis dropping in a little bit and helping set play. And it's at times looks like two holding mids. Um or, or, but also having the ability to go forward because those are the things like I think with this team and the talent that, and without having a Julie Ertz who has been the out and out, like, you know, ball winner type midfielder, then how do you adjust um, and get the best out of your players, but work within the principles that Blacko's looking for? Um, but players might not be that true holding mid outside of an Andy Sullivan, right? So then you have to utilize other people's positioning to, to build out. So I'll be curious about that. Um, and then Alex Morgan as well. I mean, that's who I have. I think they'll go with Mal yeah. Pugh and Sophia Smith, rightfully so continue to get them minutes um, and start to build some of that. Um, again, just the consistency in that front line, but also um, partnerships right on not only vertically, but a- across that front line as well. Yeah. I think there's going to be player rotation for sure, but I think it's going to be amongst you know, the familiar faces that we saw, you know, the, the 18 more or less that we kind of saw get minutes, whether it was starting or off the bench, um, called 26 players in for these friendlies. But, uh, you know, the, you had pick it, who didn't dress, hollow and dress, coffee. Yeah. Didn't dress. And I would imagine that's going to be the same scenario in Utah. I mean, you're going to see this coaching staff sort of utilize the 23 players who are going to be going Monterrey. So uh, we're probably going to see even a more narrower lens in terms of, like I said, the the 11 to, to 18 that were sort of utilized in between the, the six subs and such. So, um, you know, I'm a little curious if, if they're going to give Hatch another start. Uh, they're yeah. going to Utah. Sometimes we see the hometown crowd play a play a factor in these things. Um, I'm, I'm not on the coaching staff, but I'm, I'm not starting Hatch if if this, if this is the final game going into uh, going into uh, qualifiers. I, I've really liked what Hatch has brought to this team off of the bench. Quite frankly, I think she's been able to come in and sort of show that she can shake things up and sort of be this extra targeted option. Um, but there was a little bit we saw again we saw this a little bit of a disconnect. The timing was a little bit off uh, during that first you know 55 minutes of 
of the game for for us uh, against colombia so uh and we naturally saw things open up a little bit different uh, with with sanchez and, and and morgan coming into play so um there's going to be some type of, of rotation it just it depends just going to depend on the coaching staff and what they do but i i wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be somewhere amongst that same 17 players yeah. more or less that we saw in that first game against uh, against Colombia, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I want to see Girma get minutes. If this is the player, you know that you're calling in for qualifiers in light of of missing Adal Kemper, of missing uh, a Tierna Davidson. She's got to see some minutes before being sort of thrown into the mix of things in in, in the tournament, a tournament in which I'm sure this national team is going to expect to see something similar they're going to expect to see some low blocks they're going to expect to see some teams that want to clog up uh you know lanes in the middle so um i would like to see Guillermo get some minutes as well that she's like the one player that maybe we didn't get a chance to see in that first in that first game against uh, colombia and i want to see more extended minutes uh from uh huerta in place of, of o'hara just to see uh you know, her utilize those white spaces, like I mentioned earlier. So yeah, not going to be surprised if it's, it's something along the kind of those 18 that we're seeing. It's just a matter of, of, of what Blacko's got in his pocket and how he wants to roll out with it. <laughs> I, I agree, Sandra. I don't think, sorry, Danielle, I don't think we're going to see Sam Coffey, Jalen Howell, or Carson Pickett uh, mm-hmm. get minutes. I, I just don't. I, think I would love I, it, though. <laughs> I would love I it. I remember when I got the call up, I was like, yes, this is awesome. I, I, I just know. don't think knowing that the qualifiers are around the corner and that's what they're preparing for, right? Like these are World Cup qualifiers and knowing that those three aren't going to make it to the to Mexico, that they're there for the training camp and and that type of, of purpose. Um, we just we just like to go at you here, Danielle. Hey, we'll see. I, I appreciate it. Like, I, I appreciate it. We'll see how it goes and we'll see who's right. <laughs> Come Tuesday. We will see you hopefully, honestly, hopefully you just manifested it, though. I, I hope so. I would love to see it. And when we look at the six, right, it was Andy Sullivan. And then to see Christine Ewis get that that spot instead of someone like Jalen Howe, you, who you think would be the natural uh, fall in for that defensive six or even a Sam Coffey, right? But to see Christine Ewis there um, was a bit surprising. But I think she did do well. And no, she wasn't tested defensively that much. But uh, as her position and to kind of own that spot is someone who is for sure going to Monterey, Mexico for the qualifiers. The fact that she got minutes there over the two other players that already play that position in the league, that was a little bit telling to me as to kind of what Flacco is looking at and and trying to find those player rotations. Uh, When Colombia looks back at their first match, no doubt are they looking at that first 45, 55 minutes to say, what do we do well? What do we need to bring to this next match against the United States in Utah? Danielle, when you look at from the United States perspective, um, the spaces in that first half, where they were, where they weren't, how does the United States watch that first 45 minutes and what did they take from that to grow into the second match? I mean, I, 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 I guess I think we kind of saw that in the second half, right? Like they they found a way to be more creative in the midfield. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think to me, one of the biggest differences there was they were pressing the restraining line. So there was a little more space for Roosevelt and Ashley Sanchez to play. But then also too, like if you watch Ashley Sanchez's movement and creativity – as compared to Lindsay Horan, Lindsay Horan kept drifting out wide, right? She tends to do that. She mm-hmm. was the one who is early on, like recreating that with, I don't want my number 10 or number eight or whatever the heck number we're going to I don't want her, my attacking center mid 
to be trying to play make from out there. That was one yeah. of the things that I thought was a big difference um, in the second half. Um, so I'm looking for more of that. And just quite frankly, I'm looking for more sharpness, more cohesiveness, more chemistry in general. The challenge is, when you're looking at a tournament is you want to be playing your best football at the end of the tournament. So what is it, July 18th or whatever the heck the final is. Um, you tack these two games so onto the front of it. So it's how can you progress over the course of these seven games? How can you get the experience? Yes, if you're Vlad Andonovsky, you have to say, I have to, I'm taking this tournament seriously. It's one game yeah. at a time. But like, let's be honest, four teams qualify for sure out of CONCACAF. I mean, it would be an upset of the proportions of Miracle on Ice if the United States did not get out of their group, right? So to me, it is still about learning. Um, it's still about like testing things out. Um, and that's the challenge when you're a national team coach, you don't have the luxury. It's, and it's going to continue to get this way more and more on the women's side as mm-hmm. these FIFA windows get cold, um, tighter, as we see more of our U S players playing internationally, not getting released during these windows and such like, you don't have the luxury of, mm-hmm. oh, we'll come into camp. We'll do a residency. Yeah. We'll all get on the same team. Like you have to use every single training and opportunity to be assessing your players. And so that's why I get the feeling that there is going to be a little bit more rotation and that it's going to be important for them to keep progressing, keep layering in those tactics, keep finding a way to better execute in how to break down um, defensives that are playing so compactly, because that's the challenge we have seen. It's not rocket science, how to beat a bunker or how to break down a block. There's like a half a dozen ways that you do it, maybe 10 if you're stretching it a little bit, but it really is about executing it. And the U.S. didn't execute it to the extent it needed to in the first half. It got a little better in the second half, but it's got to get way better um, over the course of this seven game series, if you will. Because the competition is so tight, specifically in the front line and that forward group, Lori, you mentioned you wanted to see Sophia Smith, Mallory Pugh have big games, and you also think that they're going to start again. What did those two in particular, Pugh and Smith, need to do to get to the next level in this next friendly? Oh, well, I, I think they are at the next level. <laughs> I mean, I'm not looking for them to have like these huge games. I just think it comes down to what Danielle said, which is execution. I mean, we could have seen yeah. Malpue on the board early on in the first 12 minutes, you know, just didn't put that one away, um, sliced through it. We could have, you know, there was, there's a number of opportunities. It just, it really is about precision. I think there's some patience that, um, uh-huh. that, come along with that, right? Um, and, and that has historically been a bit of a um, a topic at hand for the U.S. when teams are compact centrally, um, make it difficult to play through. It's not as a transitional style of play. It, you know, historically, that's been difficult for the U.S. because we want to go, right? We want to we want to press. We want to condense the space. And that ultimately, though, when you do have the ball, limits the space that you have to be able to move it around, right? And then a Columbia team that had a game plan put numbers um, in the box mm-hmm. with five. Um, so to me, there's about patience. It's about, it is about execution and precision. And then some fluidity, because I do like the point that um, Danielle made. And I actually have Germany on my mind because I have them in the Euros and I've been watching. And they actually have center mids that float out wide as well. But when they do that, then they have positional like different fluidity they have an outside back that comes in or their their number nine will drop in right there's a real fluidity to the way they play so if Haran's going to do that and you know that that goes back to my overarching theme always about like 
what are the principles at hand? Who do you have on the field? And knowing what each other's tendencies are. Because if Haran's out there, then you have to have somebody filling in the gap, right? Is that Mal Pugh? Is that um, Emily Fox on that side? And so, so it doesn't become stagnant. And you know, it might look a little different on the right-hand side, um, depending on who's playing. But all of that comes down to why I actually don't think there'll be as many changes as we think. And also, I think when you look historically back at Blacko, when we think there's going to be changes, there actually hasn't either. And I think there's because he does want to start to build that connectivity, right? I think he does have an understanding of who he wants to start, very similar to what we saw the other night. And given that these players have a lot more minutes, that's going to continue to be a theme going forward Mm -hmm. now that these players are playing a lot more games, a lot more soccer in a calendar year. You're naturally going to have to adjust and um, swap players out. But I think that there's going to be somewhat of a consistent lineup to start to build that because to Danielle's point and some that we've been saying on the show all along, gone are the days where you have three months to prepare, um, especially the U S players are going to be coming in for these FIFA dates. The same thing that we see on the men's side with their young team. How do you get everybody on the same page operating um, and being efficient? And the final third is always that last piece, right? So, um, and especially with a team like the U S who want to attack and are passionate about it too. Sometimes it'll be like, eh, slow down a little bit, get some other players involved look for the combinations, right? So, Lori, what are your predictions then when you look at this game, whether it's in terms of goal scorers, penalty kicks, you think they're going to get another penalty kick call? Will they put it away? I mean, do you think the U.S. is going to win? And then if so, like who are going to be the top two players that uh, are true game changers in this match? Uh well, yeah, I do think the U.S. can – I think that is the the heart and soul of this team is showing up and saying we are going to win every game. That is the expectation. Mm-hmm. That is what the players know about, and it's also about evolving, right? Because this this new generation and having the balance with some of the, the veteran players is what it's all about. Um, but listen, I think two of the most exciting players – in this, in the NWSL, on this team, Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith, um, I'll look for them um, to continue to be kind of those go-to players. I think they they welcome that in some of the interviews that we've heard too, which is awesome. You'd love that. Um, and then, but like, honestly, I, I don't know if I could just pick out a couple players. I think this is more so going into this and to the, our entire point as well is that, listen, this is a deep roster. Yeah. Danielle mentioned all the other players. There's potential that, you know, the men just got announced for 26 for this World Cup. That could be the potential for next year as well. So for on the women's side. So there's a lot of factors. So to me, it's about, um, you know, more not so much about individual performance. It's just about more of the team, because mm-hmm. if, if you're getting on the same page, these players, their individual brilliance is going to start to shine. It's going to come out in this in the system. So to me, it's just about setting everybody up, getting everybody and getting the right mix. Quite frankly, I think that is an interesting. Sometimes we want to go with the same group, but I think you know it's not always about just going with the best eleven. It's like who who's operating, who gets it, who who can who can um, connect the dots really. So at least that's how I see it, right? So yeah, you mentioned that 
men's World Cup and getting to 26. It's a whole can of worms. We can't get there yet, Lori. <laughs> Dunn could be back next year from her pregnancy. She's could already be. She's <laughs> literally already back. back. <laughs> it's, it's so impressive to see. So we can't even begin to open that can of worms. But Sandra, when you look ahead to Tuesday's match for the U.S., um, are you still looking for your center backs to to come and shine through, or what specifically are you looking to see any changes from the U.S. side? Yeah, I want to see it at the outside back position. I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see it. Um, you know, we talked about Kelly O'Hara getting that that first start and then coming out in the second half and, and the team getting some different looks with with Huerta in her, in her place. And uh, there is media availability happening today for for the U.S. Women's National Team with Black Wendonowski. And apparently, breaking news: he's just alluded that Kelly O'Hara will not be starting uh, tomorrow or available for the team, and as well as uh, Andy Sullivan. So, I think we're gonna get our wish, y'all. We're gonna get to see. We're going to maybe get to see a little, maybe that means a little bit more Christy Mewis in the six. We'll see. And uh, I think we're all uh, pretty excited to to see uh, Sofia Huerta probably get some extended minutes and well as well and see what she can do. So uh, we already sort of have a confirmation right there that we're going to see some different things and different looks in the back line there. But uh, I, I'm, I'm a, it makes me a little curious now if, there's, if that's an automatic rotation right there. Does that mean he's going to continue some rotation across yeah. that back yeah. four. We're going to see, uh, I mean, my, my assumption is that, you know, will we ever see Sane get minutes in either of these games before the CONCACAF uh, championship? Honestly, I'm not too sure. And quite frankly, I don't think um, if you've got Emily Fox putting together the minutes that she's putting up against this team and looking in form ahead of the qualifiers. I don't think you mess with that, quite frankly. I think uh, if you continue to sort of see the progression from Sofia Huerta on the opposite side of that, you run with Fox mm-hmm. and you run with Huerta. So I would like to see it. Um, so I'm not too sure what that means for the center back pairing, um, like what we saw out of Sauerbrunn and Cook. So I'm not too sure what that would mean for somebody like Guillermo, but I'm hopeful that maybe she gets at least 45 in this one. Danielle, what do you think now that we know that Kelly O'Hara is for sure out, Andy Sullivan out? That means Huerta most likely, but in that sixth role, who would you like to see? I still think there's going to be rotation. Like, <laughs> put Jalen Howell in there. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, so you would yeah. rather see Howell. You guys over can buy me a beer if I'm home. right. I'll buy you a beer if you're right. And <laughs> no, I'm, right. All, I'm all for it. I see both sides, really. Like, <laughs> I, I agree. I can see the consistency, but I also, am, I'm also like, Get Sam Coffey in there. Yeah. She's been excellent. Like, she's really? been excellent for Portland. So, I'm like, yeah. I, I'm all for the bold changes, too. So, yeah. I mean, I mean and to be honest, like, I guess to me, my question, and Laura, you're, you know, when all of you guys are in the NWSL, like in the weeds more than I am, just watching as a fan, but like, who gives you more on the attacking side of the ball from that number six role? Because, and again, no disrespect to to Colombia, but you expect the United States to have more of the ball. You don't expect them to to have a huge attacking presence over the course of ninety minutes. And so, to me, like I'm I'm leaning towards the attacking side being my priority as opposed to really evaluating my center backs or my goalkeeper during a match like this. So, who do you think will give more offensively from the defensive center mid role? I mean, I have my thoughts. Do you want to go, Sandra? Please. Not Angler. Okay. I mean, listen, I, I have said it from the beginning. I would go with Sam Coffey. I think that she offers something that we haven't seen in a bit um, in terms of just this, like, you know, she can switch the play. She ha- At Penn State, she was more of an advanced midfielder, mm-hmm. um, so already has that attacking quality, I think, um, innately. But um, 
has been such an important piece to the way that Portland plays, um, you know, and not an out and out um, straight up ball winner, but like positionally, I think is fantastic, um, especially for a young player, putting herself screening balls, cutting off passes, but then just the simplicity and her ability to keep the ball moving, connect passes. And, and Danielle, like, you said earlier about like just the execution and precision in the final third, you know, we didn't see Andy on the ball and watching her enough with Washington and how important, as I mentioned earlier, she is just organizationally. Um, I believe that Andy can do this too, but with her out to me, Sam coffee is the one that's going to offer that the most in terms of like, let's connect this first pass when it turns over that calms the team down. Then you start to see other players being like, all right, to the correct foot, into the space, to their feet, right? Um, so I, that that's who I would go for. And I'd also like just to see her at this level um, with the jump that she's made. I mean, every single she played every single minute for Portland so far. Yeah. I think it's her and um, actually that might be it. She, I, I think there is one other player for Portland, but let's yeah. not get into the weeds about the stats of NWSL here. But <laughs> I am I'm a fan of hers. I think she offers something different. Um and it goes into the depth conversation that we've had here about that six going forward. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I, th- I think, you know, with, with the news that it's O'Hara's out and Sullivan is out, I think that's going to maybe open up some things. So I don't think any, I don't think Daniel's going to have to buy anybody a uh, beer. I think these <laughs> players out, I mean, there's, there's, that's an opportunity, right? For, for so, else. so I'm already buying Daniela beer because yeah, I'm sorry. I'm here, I'm here to see that you're already, already, he already said he, one of the players not going to Mexico will start tomorrow, but he doesn't yeah. say who. So uh, Danielle Venmo coming your way for a beer, because this is fantastic. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. I, I think it could be a coffee or a howl in that rotational six role. Um, as much as I would love to see Carson Pickett, the depth at six isn't there, and that's where he needs to get players' minutes. I am so here for this. We love being wrong. Well, I love being wrong on attacking third. It's so yeah. fun to come back and, and talk about all of this. Uh, this was fantastic. Our hour is entirely up. We have another match tomorrow for the U.S. against Columbia, a friendly that they will be playing in Utah. Before we go, final thoughts from the three of you. Laurie, I'm going to start with you. Final thoughts on all of this, the last match, the match coming up, anything you just want to hang out with Danielle about. <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. Come on the show all the time, please. We love you here. And I'm happy to give my money away to very much to you three. If we're, if we're wrong, I'll send you all the beer money. And uh, mainly, mainly I'm just looking forward to this team because this is one of the, obviously we've just seen one game with a little bit of the, the mix of um, some of the veterans with the, the youth and how it all comes, comes to play. And you know, always love the tournaments. So I'm excited about CONCACAF starting and the qualifiers. Sandra, final thoughts from you? Come on, no one's going to put a scoreline on it? Oh, I'll do predictions. Yeah, totally. I'll okay, okay. that up to the writer. Give me a scoreline. Uh, goodness gracious. I'm going with – I'm going to go with 3-0 again. Okay, I think that's fair. This one, when I did my written preview of this first match, I went 4-0. Okay. They could have been 5-0, but the penalties just were not as crisp as they, as they should have been. Um, but I think maybe – they look a little different and a little sharper in the second game. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the rotation. I'm excited to, to see one of the uh, either some type of combination of Howell and or coffee potentially in this role uh, tomorrow for the team. Uh, and I think that might actually give some new looks for them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that maybe that one might lead the lead the way for some goals. And hopefully they happen in the first half as well, not just not just the, the second half. So I don't know. I'm going to be ambitious. I'm going to say five. I'm going to put a fiver on it. All right. 
I, I think that's I, I'm I'm not hating on that. I do think the score could be a more lopsided. This is a team. I mean, in soccer, you don't often get the chance to play home and homes, or you don't you don't play mm-hmm. teams twice in a row very often. And I think this team um, is smart in its execution. It learns from its mistakes. It learns when mm-hmm. it doesn't do things well. Um, and we saw that in the second half compared to the first half. I think that momentum will continue. Um, and I'm just eager to see better execution on the attacking side. And to me, to keep learning about how Vlatko is going to start to put his team together and yeah. what that starts to look like. I don't necessarily um, look at the results being so incredibly important in this one, but I'm looking for for my better understanding of tactics and better understanding of um, who can execute what Vlatko is trying to get this team to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's all about the learning curve. Danielle, can you give us a scoreline? Um, I like four zero. What did you say, Lori? You cut out. I said three. I said three zero again. Okay, four. Then I'll take different. I'll I like take that. Three, three, four, and five. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like, like the it. five just because I don't want to pick what someone else does. I'm going to go seven. Yeah. I think they're just going to ball out on gold. Okay, I'm here for I'm here for setting all the beer money everyone else's way. <laughs> don't worry about it. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. Danielle, Lori, Sandra, thank you for being here. Everyone who listened in, thank you so much. If you like this video and you dropped your social media handle in the chat, look out for a DM from us. You could be our Paramount Plus subscription winner. You can follow us on Twitter at Attack third for more we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and anywhere that you listen to your podcast subscribe to us on youtube to catch our interviews and get alerts for when we go live youtube.com slash attacking third we'll be back next monday for another uswnt hour thank you so much everyone for listening and for being here okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.